Welcome, ladies, to the online Bible study. Last week, we left off with Ruth chapter 2, where we saw Ruth gleaning in the fields of Boaz during the barley and wheat harvest. We saw how Naomi's heart rejoiced as she was reminded of her kinsman redeemer. So this is where we pick up in chapter 3. We will see in this chapter the second crucial encounter between Ruth and Boaz. So let's begin. Turning your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3 and let's look at verse 1. It says, Then Naomi her mother-in-law said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Now when we look at the word rest here, it is the Hebrew word which is pronounced manoach, meaning a home or a place of rest. Now it was customary for the Hebrew parents to arrange marriages for their children. So when Naomi's eyes were opened up to the fact that Boaz could be a kinsman redeemer, she immediately had hope and explained to her daughter-in-law what she needed to do. Naomi needed to explain the Jewish customs to Ruth. Because you remember now Ruth is a Moabite. She is not familiar totally with the Jewish customs. So let's look at verse 2, and here we are introduced to the winnowing and the fleshing floor. Verse 2 says, Now Boaz, whose young woman you are with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the fleshing floor. The word threshing, meaning to trample out. Now when you think about the threshing floor, when they have to prepare this, it is constructed in the fields, preferably in an exposed position up on the hillside in order to get the full benefit of the winds. Now, the floor is level, and it's usually in a circular area about 25 to 40 feet in diameter. They first prepare it by picking out the stones and then wetting the ground tamping it and rolling it and then finally sweeping it out. Then they put a border of stones usually around it to keep the grain in. Now all the sheaves you know that they have just reaped from the harvest where they were just cutting them and, and putting them into bundles all of these are put in the very center of this big circular area and then the process of tramping them out begins. Now a lot of times they would use oxens for the purpose to separate the grain but other times they would use an instrument called a flail or a stick to beat the sheaves like we saw back in Ruth chapter 2 verse 17. Now at this time you could see Ruth where she had to just beat that barley with um, a stick and that was how that she was able to get the grain off of it um, to come home with and so you know it's not it's a lot of work she's out there from early morning until sundown just picking up all these the sheaves and then after that after sundown she has to beat it all to separate the grain so it's a lot of work at the threshing floor the oxen are yoked together to a threshing instrument 
called by the Hebrews a morig. Now a threshing, this is kind of like a threshing roller or sledge. And it's driven in a circular motion around the sheaves. As they would go around, they would continually bring down sheaves from the middle. And this would ensure that all of this was getting trampled out as the oxen went around and it cut it into pieces. So once the grain was trampled, now it's time for what they call winnowing. Now winnowing is a process that separates the chaff from the grain, which is done after sundown to take advantage of the night breezes. So to do this, you take like a shovel or a pitchfork type thing and you stick it into the grain and you toss it up into the air and the wind separates the two. It blows the chaff away and the grain, which is the heavier part, falls to the, the, to the threshing floor. Now, this kind of reminds me of what we do with the Lord and our activities. When we stand before him, our works are going to either be blown to the wind and discarded because they were done for our own glory, or they're going to fall to the feet of Jesus glorifying his name. Just as threshing and winnowing are hard work, so is the ripping of ourself out of our beings. We need to be constantly checking our motives and making sure that what we are doing is to glorify God and not ourselves or somebody else. At this point, the grain is now ready for use and is a great time for the robbers to come and steal it. You figure all the work is done. So they have someone lay at the threshing floor to protect the grain until they can get it into its storage areas. So this is why Naomi was telling Ruth that he that Boaz was going to be at the threshing floor that he is winnowing and that he will be there to lie down and protect it. So here Naomi is instructing Ruth on what to do before she presents herself to Boaz. Let's look at verses 3 through 4. Now notice the fourfold instructions here. It says, therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself, put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in and cover his feet and lay down and he will tell you what you should do. In the first part of verse 3, it tells us that she should wash herself. Next part, she is to anoint herself. She is to change her clothing. And the fourth, she is to learn the proper way to present herself. What a great example for us meeting our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. So let's look at the first one. Ruth was to wash herself. The law of Moses required ceremonial washings. Taking a bath and changing clothes usually preceded a special event. When we enter the presence of our Lord, we must also cleanse ourselves. So does this mean that we need to physically take a bath every time we want to talk to God? 
No, of course not. But we do need a spiritual cleansing. Take, for instance, when we ask for forgiveness of our sins in our lives, what is God doing? He is washing us. He's washing the record clean. Let's look at 1 John 1, 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now let's go over to the Old Testament look at Psalms chapter 51, verse 2. And it says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Just as Ruth had to prepare herself before meeting her kinsman redeemer, we need to also prepare. Every day we need to be examining our lives, making sure that our lives glorify God and not ourselves. We need to examine what takes precedence in our life. Is God first? We need to look back. And at the end of the day, can you say, God was glorified in that day. If you cannot say that he was glorified in that day, that day was wasted. Like winnowing, would the activities in your life represent the chaff that gets blown away in the wind? Or will they drop to the threshing floor and count to glorify God? Let's look at the second act of preparation that Ruth had to do. She was to anoint herself. The Hebrew word here is suk. It may be used of ordinary physical process of anointing the body with olive oil, particularly after bathing and especially for a fragrant effect. It was also often used as medicinal needs. We are also to send a sweet, attractive fragrance to the Lord. When we are in a deep, personal relationship, walking in His Spirit, we also send up a sweet fragrance to the Lord, don't we? So as we pursue our kinsman redeemer, we also need to make sure that we are living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's not easy to rip those unhealthy self-sins from our life. But it is only through the power of God that we can do this. So we need to be constantly asking the Holy Spirit to help us to live a godly life. The third preparation was that Ruth was to change her clothes. Ruth was to put on her best clothes as she met Boaz. In scripture, clothing carries a spiritual meaning. I like how Warren Wearsby put it when he said, Christian living means taking off the grave clothes of the old life and putting on the grace clothes of the new life. Throughout scripture, changing clothes is a symbol of putting on righteousness and salvation. 
of becoming acceptable to God, of putting off the old life and putting on the new. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. We can't come into God's presence in our own righteousness. For as it says in Isaiah 64, 6, our righteousness are as filthy rags. So now Ruth is bathed, anointed, and she's in her best clothing. Naomi now tells her how to present herself to Boaz, which is our fourth preparation. Naomi instructed Ruth to go to the threshing floor and quietly observe where Boaz lay down after he had eaten and drank. Then she said to uncover his feet and lie down and then wait for instructions from Boaz as to what to do next. This was a symbol of service and of servanthood, a symbolic request for marriage. By this symbol, Ruth was declaring that she wanted to become a part of Boaz's life. We also, if we want a deep personal relationship with Christ, need to submit ourselves totally to Christ, making him Lord of our lives. We need to humbly come to the foot of the cross where our Redeemer paid the price to rescue us. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. It says, And he said to her, All that you said to me I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her to do. After Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. Verses 5 through 7 shows Ruth's obedience. She did as exactly as her mother-in-law instructed her to do. We also need to be obedient to the word of God. Now, let's look at verse 8. It says, Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. The moment for proposing marriage to Boaz finally arrived. Ruth was asking Boaz to marry her when she asked him to take her under his wing or spread his garment over her. You see this in verse 9. It says, And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. In the metaphorical use, God is said to protect his people as a bird protects his young with her wings. Ruth was asking Boaz to marry her when she asked him to take her under his wing and spread the garment over her. And then verse 9 at the end says why. And that is because it says you are a close relative, a kinsman redeemer. 
Verses 10 through 11 go on to say, Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Boaz graciously accepts her marriage proposal. But here Ruth is not thinking of just herself. She is thinking of Naomi and keeping the family name going. By marrying Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, she was able to help Naomi by Boaz purchasing her mortgage property and keeping it in the family, as well as having a child and carrying on her deceased husband Malon's name. This was not a selfish act of Ruth, but one that would glorify God. Boaz spoke assurance to Ruth and told her she did not need to be afraid. He told her she would be redeemed. We have this blessed assurance from the Lord that he is our kinsman redeemer, our rescuer, the one who will meet our needs, protect and provide for us. And then we see a minor glitch in the plans in verse 12. Let's read it. It says, Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Here we see there is another relative who is closer than Boaz, and it is by law his responsibility to be the kinsman redeemer. So Boaz reassures Ruth that she will have a redeemer if the other relative did not want to fulfill his duties as the redeemer, then Boaz would marry her and be the kinsman redeemer. Boaz, being a noble man, acted responsibly in two ways here. He did not send her home in the middle of the night. He protected her, but did not lay hands on her. You know how gossip starts. Boaz wanted to protect Ruth from the village gossip. So he made sure that no one knew she came to the threshing floor. He also protected the rights of her nearer kinsmen. He wanted to redeem Ruth. That was his right. But he promised that she would be redeemed whether it was the other relative or he himself. We need to watch also our actions and how they come across. We need to keep our lives pure so that the Lord will be glorified in our lives. In verse 15, it goes on to say, Also he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. Here again, we show... Boaz giving Ruth up and beyond what she deserves. He measured six ephahs. Now you remember last week we talked about how much an ephah measured, right? It was approximately 5.5 gallons, a basketful. So can you imagine six 
EPAS. That would be approximately 33 gallons. That is quite a heavy load and a lot of barley. But this showed that he was not only providing for Ruth, but also for Naomi. You notice in the verse it says, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. God is always meeting our needs up and beyond what we could even imagine. Verses 16 and 17 say, So when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all about the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me. And he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Ruth's sharing the promise and provision of Boaz with Naomi is a clear picture of bearing testimony to the promises of God. How many times do we share what God is doing in our lives? Do we get excited about his promises to us and his provisions for us? God is working in our lives just as he did with Ruth and Naomi's. We just have to remember that when things get tough, and it looks like things just aren't going as well as they could be. God is in control and he knows the future. Look at Ruth and Naomi. They lost both of their husbands. They were in poverty. Coming to back to Bethlehem, Ruth was coming to a foreign land. But they had this hope. They had a Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who was working ahead of them to work out and bless their lives. We end the chapter with Naomi advising Ruth to sit still and wait to see how it all plays out in verse 18. It says, Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Sometimes this is the hardest part. We live in a fast-paced society where we want everything done right now. We don't want to wait. We want answered prayers immediately. We want to see results. But God has his timing, and we need to remember to be patient and wait. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. This is one of my favorite verses. It has gotten me through a lot of tough times and a lot of tough situations. When I feel as though things are out of control, I just tell myself, be still and know that God is in control. Ladies, Ruth and Naomi put their trust in the Lord and God was working behind the scenes to bless them. We need to remember that God is working behind the scenes to bless us too. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future." Have you put yourself at the feet of the Lord of the harvest? Are you trusting him? to work in your life. One evidence of your trust will be your willingness to sit still and let him 
have his way. Now next week we are going to be completing our study of the book of Ruth. So I look forward to doing next week's study with you. Bye-bye and God bless.